everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live and I am your host Lila Winston. Thank you so much for joining me. I pray that you are well. Um, we are going to go back into the Word of God as you know. We come together to read in the Word of God so that we can uh, apply the principles and of course so that we can learn the purpose of our life and of course live that purpose. So we're going to go to a very familiar scripture that you all know. Um, So go ahead and grab Bibles and let's go. So we're going to be reading in John chapter 2. And it's going to be verse 1 and 2, verse 11. So it's John, St. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. Um, And let's get started. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with you? My hour is not yet come. His mother said unto the servants, Whatsoever he says unto you, do it. And there were the yet six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bared. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth the good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. That's St. John chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. And I wanted you to uh, read that. It's very familiar. We know it. Um, And we're talking about wine here. We're talking about him creating wine, something to drink. And I want to remind you uh, of a couple of scriptures um, that also talk about wine or that talk about being poured out or drink. And it's a drink offering. Okay, do you remember that scripture that talks about, says I'm a drink offering ready to be poured out. That's in Philippians chapter 2 verse 17. And then 2 Timothy uh, verse 4 I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 6. That's 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 6. But it's still talking about an offering. It's still talking about a sacrifice, except we're talking about a drink offering. And all of the time that you and I have been, you know, having conversations and we've been doing these Bible studies, we've talked about sort of like flesh offerings, like, you know, rams and goats and sheep and turtle doves. So now we're going to talk about drink offerings, and this is really important. So let's go ahead and look at 2 Philippians chapter 17, and it reads, Yea, and if I be offered up upon the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Um, And that's Philippians 2.17, and actually the translation says, If I be a drink offering, 
poured upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. So I think it's really important to think about what, you know, is being said there. He's talking about himself as a drink offering. And if we look at 2 Timothy, he says, For I am now ready to be poured out, and the time of my departure is at hand. And so these are times when Paul is talking about, you know, you know, he's done the work that he's needed to do. And in essence, in his own life, he's telling us that we must be emptied and poured out for the work of the tabernacle of the God of God in our bodies and as living priests of the Most High God. So I want to turn us now to John, St. John chapter 5, verse 8. We just read this. It says, God is turning uh, the living water. I mean, we'll read this shortly, but God is turning you into living water. He has given you, um, he's actually sort of given you this, this new place in life where you become wine. And, you know, we needed water as believers because there are three that bear witness in the earth. That is water, that is spirit, and that is wine. So that is why, you know, we, we see that that essence of water there. That's why you're baptized because you have to have three that bear witness. And that is, you can read that in John chapter five, verse eight. But I want you to remember that the water in the pots, those earthen vessels, they turned to wine. First, he poured water in them. And then they, that water was poured out to others and it was turned into wine. Um, and if we look in uh, chapter four, verse seven, it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about, you know, him being in, in Cana of Galilee at that wedding and you have those vessels and you have him pouring water in them and then it becomes wine. So was the power in the vessels or was it in the God that had them pour water in it? see water pots and all pitchers and this is something to remember since God has likened us or he has said that we're light vessels water pots and all pitchers or even containers for water or wine or anything often have a handle to pour it out and if they don't have a handle they're designed to be easily held to pour if you look at a wine bottle if you look at certain other kinds of bottles um, you know maybe like you know, a two liter of soda or, you know, different kinds of things that carry liquid, they're designed so they can be easily held and poured out. So God wants to pour you out for mankind. He wants to pour you out for mankind. He wants to pour what he has put in you, out of you. And I want to ask you, will you let him pour? Will you be vulnerable? Will you let him use what is inside to bless your fellow men and your fellow priests? Your gifts, talents, and spiritual fruit? This is why you must bear fruit, as it says in John chapter 15, St. John chapter 15, verse 8. And I'm going to read that briefly because a lot of people may not know why, you know, God wants you to bear fruit. But it says, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. Uh, so shall you be my disciples. And I think this is really important because the thing to note is that 
this is how you glorify God. This is how you glorify the Father. You don't glorify Him. A lot of people think that, you know, you glorify Him by works and doing things for God and, you know, helping people. And part of that is the fact that I think, and, and I have to say that I myself have been confused in this area before. And I think it's just the way that we see service and the way that we see, um, you know, doing things in God. It's just, it's kind of like a doctrine that we've all been taught. It's very um, common in all religions is this belief that doing things for other, others, serving, thing, God, um, serving others, helping the poor, charity, all of these things glorify God. But I want to show you that uh, sometimes there's a misapplication of scripture and that causes us to do things that we're not supposed to. So here's what I want to show you. In St. John chapter 15, verse 8, it says that God is glorified through you bearing fruit. Okay, not through you serving or using your gifts or anything. It says through bearing fruit. So when you bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to look at just shortly, that is when God is actually glorified. When you serve people through charity, through love, through giving, through service, through sacrifice, those things mean that you're serving God. That's a service that's serving the tabernacle. That's, um, that's part of your work. That's not part of what glorifies God. It's kind of like a duty. I know that we've talked about this when we talk about tithing. You know, tithing isn't something that, you know, you do because you want to put a seed in the ground and get something back. You do it because it's part of your, your service. And when I talk about tithing, since we're all priests, we're all supposed to receive the, of the tithe. So don't think I'm telling you to go to somebody's church and just give them money or give them whatever. I want you to understand the principle behind it, because if you do, you'll understand what to do next. So we've understood two principles here, and that is fruit glorifies God, okay? And the second thing is that when you give and when you serve and charity and all of that, that's service to God. So this is how you glorify God through fruit. And we're going to look at what fruit is. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. That's actually where you can find it. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy. It's peace, it's long-suffering, it's gentleness, it's goodness, it's faith, it's meekness, it's temperance. And it says, against such, there is no law. So if you want to know what really glorifies God more than anything, it's the spirit of love. It's love. It's joy. It's long-suffering. It's gentleness. It's goodness. It's faith. It's meekness. It's temperance. There is no law against that. And you have to remember that. That's such an important part, you know, of what is God's fruit. So God first must fill you up. That's the first important thing. That's why you can't have fruit without Christ. That's a very important thing to know. You can't have it without Christ. So if you are sometimes trying to figure out, you know, whether someone is a believer or not, or whether someone is, you know, a lot of times people are trying to choose, you know, who will be their their long-term love, their husband or wife, who will be a good friend, who's someone that you should put in your life. The best way to do that is to look for fruits of the Spirit because you cannot have fruits of the Spirit without God. You can't do it. No one can produce it. So God first must fill you up. 
then pour you out. Remember that that is the legacy of all vessels, pots, and containers. No matter if they are vessels that are unto honor or dishonor, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. Now, you could be a vessel unto dishonor. That means, you know, you do just bad things. Have you ever seen someone who just, they just stay reveling in bad stuff? They're always doing something. They might be a vessel unto dishonor. I mean, God forbid, hopefully they'll repent and, you know, come around. But a lot of times, you know, there's vessels unto honor and vessels unto dishonor. And for yourself, you want to pray. You want to be sure that you are a vessel unto honor. And that's very important. You know, um, the potter, no matter how he makes the vessel or the vase, it is for filling up and for pouring out. So God wants to fill you, but then God wants to pour you out. Now, you know that we are a royal priesthood according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, with Christ as our chief priest after the order of Melchizedek. So we shall um, learn and, you know, we know that we're part of the tithe and you can actually read this in You Are the Tithe. These are um, Bible studies here, and you can uh, not read it. You can listen to it. There's part one and part two. And we know that we must sacrifice ourselves for the good of our brothers as Christ has sacrificed for the church and as man has to sacrifice for the wife. And it says so in Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 25, and also Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Because we know that greater love has no man than that he gives his life for his friends. So let's go on to John 15 and 13, okay? And you can look at that too. That means that, you know, for the married, and and this is just going to be just a small aside, that you are to be your spouse's friend. Also, you are not just the husband or the wife. When we do things God's way, we put it in in context with the way that God wants it to be. Like in the context of submission, the role of men and women in marriage, God called you to be her friend if you're a husband, not her king. And ladies, God called you to be his companion, not his trophy or his servant. So when you see those things, you know, and you see um, those you love, and have responsibility for as friends the dynamic changes if you only see that person as your husband or you only see that person as your wife but if you see them as friends that changes a lot because remember he said he does this for his friends we're friends also so it really matters in order to live like this and to do those things the state of your heart is what matters are you bringing forth fruit from your heart that's where it's going to come from your spirit your spiritual part are you pouring out wine can god keep filling you up and then turning you upside down to pour you out these are things that i think we are not we are not aware of when we become believers when we think oh god fill me up fill me up you know with your spirit well if he fills you up he's got to pour you out all pots and pitchers and vessels are made to be poured out to overflow In fact, the handle on a big uh, cup or jug is made to create overflow. If a cup or a pitcher or a case cannot overflow and pour out its contents, it's useless. When I was a kid, they had these little sippy cups. They were toys that you played with and they had like this fake 
water or juice or coffee in it and you could turn it sideways and it looked like you know all the contents it poured out but when you turned it back upside down it was full again and nothing ever came out of the pitcher and and so you don't want your life to be that you look full up and you pour out but nothing comes out so you must overflow if you're going to be useful in the hands of the maker you must be poured out but I want to say don't worry God and has his servants out there that are always used and they're always there to fill you back up again God's going to fill you back up and he's going to use others to fill you back up he's going to use life he's going to do so many things to fill you back up so you should never worry about being depleted now you might come to a very low point in your life but God is using you and he's going to fill you back up. This is why you must always administer your gift and seek every opportunity to do it. The Bible says do not neglect the gift that is within you. And it says that in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. And it also says that to pray that an opening for the gospel be preached and it might be made. And that's in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. And I want to challenge you right now to pray with me that God would open a door for the good news to be preached and that he would open it in your life and in mine. I want you to pray that God would give you the courage to start serving your gift. God, help us, Lord Christ, in the name of your son. Lord, we ask that you would open a door for the good news to be preached and that you would open that gift in my life and those that are listening, Lord, and that you would give them the courage to start serving their gifts to the world. See, God needs your heart of flesh. God needs you pliable in the hands of the master. You have to be ready to be poured out. You have to be ready to be sacrificed as a burnt offering and as a drink offering. God has to be able to fill you up and pour you out. Let God turn you to wine for the miraculous wedding of the lamb. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I pray you are well. God bless. Bye.